It has been a week of C. Friends, gamers, Windows enthusiasts, lend me your ear. It has been another week. It is a Friday. Hopefully your Friday is off to a wonderful start. We are just wrapping up the week uh, with a look back at all the major announcements and things to talk about and some, some good stuff here uh, drizzled throughout the week. So let's just dive in to the tech news. So the big event of the week was Microsoft's education event where they announced two key products, Windows 11 SE and the Surface Laptop SE. Now, SE is for schools, both the hardware and the software. So keep that in mind that this product probably isn't for you, but there's some interesting things here to just kind of eh, kind of distill a little bit. So first off, at a high level, Windows 11 SE has very limited app support. Uh, it's got to be on the approved list from Microsoft. There's no Windows Store baked into uh, to the actual OS there. And so uh, it's also optimized, as Microsoft say, on low-cost devices. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we've heard that before. So the idea here is you have Windows 11 SE. It's really locked down and bundled up, and you can't go to the App Store and download things, and you you can't just download stuff from the interwebs. It's got to be kind of like streamlined and everything else. We've heard this narrative before. Microsoft has chased this demographic, this product line, and this is just their latest iteration of a Windows 10 S type product, if you will. And so Microsoft is again trying to cater their latest OS to the education segment. And they're also bringing some hardware this time. That is where the laptop, Surface Laptop SE comes into play. Keep in mind, again, this is really low cost hardware, $249 dues or about two and a half mini fridge units. It is very bare bones. It is uh, highly repairable according to Microsoft, including everything from the motherboard to the keyboard, the display. Uh, basic ports, it even doesn't even have Surface Connect as a barrel charger, so it's effectively only Surface in name, if you will. There's not really a whole lot of Surface E stuff to it. There's no fancy hinge. It's it's really not too much Surface like. But there's things that you need to know about it. First off, while it is $249, you can't just go buy 10 of these things and just deploy them. You have to use Microsoft Intune, which means there's going to be another cost involved. So keep in mind that, yes, it's $249, but there's sort of hidden fees involved, which doesn't feel uh, super great, if I'm honest. But... The reality here is this is Microsoft's latest strategy to combat Chromebooks. It's very clearly uh, obvious that Microsoft is still concerned about the growth of Chromebooks or just that segment in general. And they are once again not ignoring it and they're coming up with a quote unquote new product line to take on that sort of the, the group that would buy Chromebooks. I, I, I sometimes wonder in the back of my head that if the reason why people buy Chromebooks, specifically in education, is explicitly because they're not Windows, not necessarily because they're cheap, but because they're not Windows and they're just easier to manage from a day-to-day -day operation. We don't quite know every reason why every single school or user buys a Chromebook, but Microsoft just believes that, hey, it's the price point, and so they're doing everything they can to get it down Windows to be super cheap at 249 bucks. Now, keep in mind, Microsoft is not the only company going to be selling Windows 11 SE. There are many other options from many other vendors, and while the Surface Laptop SE does use an Intel chip, there will be AMD options around if for some reason your school or locale is, uh, I don't know, loyal to Team Red for whatever reason. It's just interesting to watch that Microsoft such as, again, going aggressively after Chromebooks. Will it do anything to sort of cut off the, that momentum? I don't really know. I don't really know. I feel like if you're in the Windows camp, you're already in the Windows camp. If you're in a, in a mixed environment, then it doesn't really matter to begin with. So um, it's just sort of, you know, just things to be watching and how I think about Microsoft's and their new strategy to see if Windows 11 SE does really move the needle for them at all in that demographic. 
Now, speaking of Windows 11, there's a new feature coming in the latest Insider Build. This is actually, I think, a pretty helpful feature and something I quite like. So you'll probably know the experience when you hover over an icon, it pops up that little window. It kind of shows you what it is, but it's down on the taskbar. There's a button going to be added there called Share in Teams. So if you're on a Teams call, you can go to the window, click that button, and it will link up and make it much easier to share what is on your display with everybody who is on the call. Now, this isn't a Teams exclusive feature. Microsoft is opening this up so that other platforms like Zoom will be able to tap into it as well. And so that is something that is coming down. Uh, Microsoft is also killing OneDrive support for Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 8.1 in early 2022, which is somewhat interesting. I mean, I guess the, the Windows 8 is whatever, but the fact that they were still technically supporting it on Windows 7, even though Windows 7 is out of life, uh, you know, you know, it's in the grave, if you will, unless you're paying a whole bunch of money for uh, extended support. But the fact that it was still technically supported is a little bit interesting. Anyways, I suspect that those apps are effectively the same, and that's why it was still officially, uh, quote unquote, if you will, supported other things moving on in life is channel nine microsoft announced that channel nine which is a what it was their sort of video platform for since about 2004 i believe and yeah it is moving on in life it is moving over to microsoft learn they have committed to uh, archiving and saving i believe most of those videos initially there was some concern about they weren't going to be saving a whole lot but Microsoft has come out and said, hey, we are actually going to be saving a whole bunch of this video, especially from the early days. And so uh, if you're nostalgic to some of those early stuff, especially back in the Scoble days, then, uh, yeah, you'll be able to go back and watch all that stuff. Microsoft's education event very clearly took the big side, the big win this week in the world of Microsoft, because as it should, this was a big key announcement for them. Now, if you're wanting to get your hands on that stuff, you're not gonna be able to get on, get into it until next year, 2022 is when they're expecting all this stuff to ship. But it's really interesting, just entire, I, I was wondering somewhat out loud, if the reason why those dates were pushed in 2022 is because they're having trouble getting components. We are seeing that again across the entire industry. Uh, it, it's funny enough, I took my wife's car to go get it, get its oil changed uh, yesterday and just driving through this large mall of dealerships. The lack of inventory on lots was honestly incredible. It really makes you feel for people who are working in that industry and um you know, the chip shortage is absolutely impacting everything beyond just consoles and everything else that we typically uh, tend to think of. Now, um, I did get one question this week about YouTube is doing something that some people are, I don't know, up in arms about. The dislike button is going to be hidden except for the creator. Um, I I don't know. Some people are really, like, really, like, like aggressive. Like, they should show the dislike button. And some people are like, everybody should be able to see the dislike button. Nobody should be able to see it. I don't, I don't ha honestly have a strong opinion either way. The one data point I can toss out is now working for a company that sells things online and in third-party marketplaces is when you get brigaded where people come and just downvote the heck out of something because you said something on Twitter 24 years ago and they don't like you today. It really can ruin your your product. So in one regard, I understand why YouTube is doing this. They're trying to not necessarily protect things, but trying to get rid of some of that brigading that tends to happen on the internet. Now, on the other side, downvotes have a legitimate value because if somebody puts up a tutorial about how to train change the transmission on your Ford Explorer and they tell you all wrong, like that video should be downvoted because it's giving bad advice and that should be shown so that other people can do like understand that. So it feels like there should be some sort of middle ground that potentially maybe thumbs up and thumbs down ratings don't appear until you've watched something like 30% of the video. 
But I'm not going to take a hard stance on either way. At the end of the day, it's it's whatever. It's a thumbs down. Uh, a little bit on the what I've been doing for the past week, past week, six weeks or so. Uh, we launched Fences 4 Beta 1. This is a really cool product, and this is, I guess I should qualify that, is a, that, that I work for the company that sells this product, and I help create it and, and whatever else. Uh, Fences 4 is a pretty kick-ass way to organize your desktop, and you can also do this feature we call Peak, which allows you to bring all your content instantly on top of a window, and so you should go check it out. It's it's honestly changed how I my workflow pretty significantly, and there's 30-day free trial if you want to give it a shot, but if not, don't blame you. Anyway, so on to the gaming news. There's been, while well, the education event took a lot of the wind for uh, Microsoft on the effectively non-gaming side, Microsoft did not hold back on the Xbox stuff. So Xbox Design Lab added a bunch of new options this week. So you can now put, you can now have black rubber grips back again on the controller. There's also 19, yes, 19 new metallic finishes. And then there's also three new color options for controller parts. The one thing that is still not there are elite controllers. That is, when Microsoft gives the option to do a Design Lab Elite Controller Elite Series 2, or pendant, more likely Elite Series 3, because I want that share button, uh, you're going to get, they'll get some money out of me. Anyways, so if you didn't buy one because it didn't have the metallic finish you wanted, well, go check it out again. Actually, the Design Lab is a pretty cool thing, and it allows you to do some customized options and everything else. So, uh, just def, you don't know, I think it's worth checking out. And so, something that if, I don't know, if you like Xbox controllers, you can go make your, go make your own. And what, what other, I think that's just a cool thing. I'm losing my words. Can't even talk. So, anyways, uh, check that out. Uh, the Xbox app is going to be updated starting, I believe it's starting to roll out to Insiders, but if not, it will be soon. Microsoft is making the Xbox app a little bit more like Steam, meaning you can now control the download location. It's also much easier to access your games. This is big for the modding community. Microsoft is starting to, not starting to, but, but leaning more into that modding community and having easy access to the file structure of games is essential to the modding community. So be on the lookout for that. It's also a good thing that Xbox is falling in line. The things we see with like Steam and Epic and other stores. So it's just easier to use the app and the games on that service. Forza Horizon 5, biggest launch ever for Xbox Game Studio. That is phenomenal for Microsoft, for Xbox Game Pass, and for the effective bets that Phil Spencer has been making on content. And so the fact that they are getting a lot of people into these services is a big deal. I have been playing it quite a bit. It is pretty good. It's pretty good fun. Uh, it's pretty good fun. So if you've never played a Forza Horizon game, this is probably a good place to start. The intro sequence is pretty darn good they do i think a a very good job of blending in uh, like high-end gaming racing components along with some fun narrative and options to kind of choose your own adventure so uh it's a lot of fun i i have been quite enjoying it qu quite a bit quite enjoying it quite a bit i am just on a roll with my englishes uh and also a little bit on the debbie downer side but ties into those cars uh valve is delaying steam deck past the holidays that is definitely going to be a downer for some people or quite a few people but again these part shortages are not going away they're definitely keeping i don't even want to say an artificial lib but they're definitely suppressing the market and slowing economic growth i don't want to get into too much economic theory although i do love talking about it but um the fact that there's such a lid on these chip shortages and really suppressing the availability of everything from computers to cars to consoles to almost anything you can think of these days. The fact is that it's really suppressing growth and it's going to kind of, it's manifesting over many, many months and if not uh, many years ahead still. I mean, effectively, I think you could argue all of this year was suppressed and a bit of last year as well. Uh, with chip shortages and so we are probably hopefully in like the the peak of the crunch there's some 
there's some winds of change that look like they're going to be helping alleviate some of that concern, but still, it's not fully uh, fully known when this chip shortage is going to just sort of uh, resolve itself. Now, I will say that it will resolve itself, but it's not going to be overnight. It's not like you're just going to wake up and be like, all oh, the chips have been returned to mass production or, or whatever. And so just be on the lookout with that. So on to the questions of the week. My favorite part, JNBCK says, are there any features? Oh yeah, .NET 6 came out. Uh, you are particularly jazzed about. If so, what? I believe the Blazor uh, rendering from, I believe it's JavaScript inside of .NET 6 is going to be interesting. I, I say that because we use some of it uh, at work. And so um, there's potential there for that to help us out. So that is a big feature. Also the hot reload, which has been, one of the hottest contested features of this uh, release is going to be pretty interesting as well. Uh, Mad Thinus says, this week Firefox came out, uh, came to the store, and initially I did not think much of the news. However, I have now switched fully to the store version and also moved to the store version of Telegram. I'm starting to dream of a future where there is just one place to update apps. Is this realistic? And also, will Office ever convert to MSIX as well? I think the future of one app store to rule them all or to have a location that can actually be the central hub for updating all your stuff is much more of a reality on Windows 11 than we have seen in any prior version of Windows for the obvious reasons that Microsoft effectively dropped all the gates and making it possible for just about anything to come into the app store. So the likelihood of that is much better these days than we have seen in the past. The reality is it's going to take time for that to materialize. Every company has to, again, evaluate the process, evaluate the rules and restrictions that are in the store. While they are much more lax, there are still some there that companies need to be aware of. And they also have to evaluate the risk as well by selling it through a third-party store. As you can imagine, if you're launching a new app, there is value in having people come to your website, not the Microsoft Store. Because if they come to your website, you can collect their email address to keep up with marketing campaigns. You can collect other information about how they're using their app. When they go to the store, it's a pretty binary process. You go see it, you click and then they just get your app. You don't get a lot of customer data up front, which can be a little bit of a business risk. But again, getting a sale is obviously more important than getting a little bit of telemetry along the way. So I don't, I, I think we will eventually see more and more people and more and more companies, as you say, going to the Microsoft Store, but it's not going to happen overnight. And will Office convert to uh, running fully native in the store? I don't know about that. I, I, Office has a lot of legacy baggage underneath. I mean, it's been around for decades at this point. And so just packaging it up and getting it neatly into the store, while it is possible, uh, Microsoft already tried that once, multiple times actually over the years, and it's never really worked out the way they've wanted to. I would hope that it does. But again, I, I think it's again going to just take time. Uh, Bishbash says, I still don't understand what Microsoft Loop is. Despite trying to read Microsoft's website on it, Brad, can you explain this, please? I can absolutely explain this because this is something I am watching very, very closely. Okay, so you got to rewind the clock. It's like 18 or 24 months. Microsoft announced these things called fluid components. And the best way I can describe them is this. Think of it as you have, you're in Excel and you have a chart. You have a, a, a widget or a graph that says how many people ate pizza on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. It's just a bar graph. Now, you can take that graph and then go paste it into Excel, paste it into Teams, sorry. 
you paste it in a Teams, and then back in Excel, you update that item in Excel, you'd update the data, and while that graph is embedded in Teams, it is updated in real time. So if that, hopefully that makes sense that you have data in Excel, but it's also streaming over to Teams. Now that is what Microsoft used to call fluid components. Now I believe they call them loops or whatever they're calling them this week. So take that idea of being able to link different individual aspects of Word, Excel, or Teams and have them all updated in real time. Now, what Loop is, Loop is a new, quote unquote, new app that allows you to bring all this stuff together and have a place explicitly designed for all this stuff. So let's say you wanted to bring some Excel components, uh, you want to bring some Word things, you want to bring some team stuff, and you wanted a, a canvas to put all that on. That is what Loop is. But Loops, or the Fluid components, are not explicit to only working inside of Loop. They will work loops well, this is where it gets confusing loops the components will work across the entire microsoft ecosystem including the web but if you want a central collaboration hub for for loops loop is a great app for that so that that is the non-convoluted but extremely convoluted way of explaining what it is here's the real takeaway I want to get too excited about it yet. Microsoft has thrown together a very splashy, flashy video that I honestly think is probably one of the best office marketing videos they may have ever created. Like, it's exciting, it's fun, it's cute, it's edgy. But then you think about things like Microsoft also created these emoticons, uh, the emojis that looked fantastic. And then what we got shipped looked like a $2 cheeseburger from like the Castle Skating Rink or whatever, like the local ice park or something. Um <laughs> And so I, I want to make sure that what they actually ship looks like what they've actually promised. We've already seen what they've promised with Windows 11 versus what shipped. And so I, I, I'm excited about loop or loops, whatever, but I'm cautiously optimistic because the caution is already very well vetted in prior Microsoft products that have shipped just this year that didn't match up to the flashy videos that they have shipped. And Mr. PKI rounded out the week. Have to end this week one with no BS. Now that Windows 11 SE is here, does that mean that we, Mr. PKI is S mode? He's the S mode. I don't know about evangelist, but S S mode um, uh, watchdog, if you will. Now that Windows SE 11 is here, does that mean Windows 10 S mode is deprecated outside of education laptops? Did anyone other than schools actually use S mode? So one of the things I forgot to mention with a Windows 11 SE is that you cannot break out of it. You can't just, uh, you can't go to the store and download an update and whatever, and then all of a sudden you have Windows 11 traditional. That changes different from Windows 10. S mode on Windows 10, you could go to the Windows store and, and break out of S mode. Windows 11 SE, if you're running it, you're in it forever, unless you put a USB key in and like completely wipe the device. And then I believe there's no going back to it at that point. Like you can't just download an image, uh, at least as I understand it today. So did anyone other than, than schools actually use S mode? I don't even know if many schools used S mode to be honest, uh, but I think that's pretty much it. And one little interesting tidbit, there was, it, it was quite hilarious. There was an FAQ that came out with Windows 11 SE. It says, how does it differ than Windows 10 S mode? It said S mode, all it did was limit it to store apps, nothing else. And if you go back and watch how they pitched S mode way back in the day, they talked about performance improvements, longevity of the hardware uh, over the life cycle and having never having degraded performance. Like none of that is mentioned because probably wasn't all that true or accurate. So I don't think many schools, I don't think any consumers willingly used S mode. It was, it was stinky mode. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. And nobody ever... I never really bought into the narrative too much. The store never materialized. I understand what they were trying to do. I understand what they're trying to do with the SE. But I, at sometimes I, I, 
at some point, I think people just say, I don't want to run Windows, and I want to run something that's different, and that's where Chromebooks come in, or a Mac. Um, but I don't think too many schools are running Macs, just because there's a, quite a bit of an expense in there. If they are, it's probably from an iPad would be my how I would hedge. So, anyways, guys, uh, kind of a crazy week. We are heading deep into the holiday shopping season. We are only a couple weeks away from Turkey Day here in the United States. Only a couple weeks away. There's going to be big Black Friday sales. Oh, they're already going on. It's like Black sales every day of the year or whatever. Um, I don't know how much Black Friday really even matters anymore. Cyber Monday, pick your whatever. Um, we're heading towards that. I know Microsoft is going to have some stuff. They're also, Microsoft is also shipping, I think it's the 50,000 email inboxes. They're shipping gift cards of anywhere from like 10 to 100 bucks. So make sure to check out your inbox to see if Microsoft sent them to you. As always, everybody, very much appreciate you hanging out. This is the best part of my week. Hopefully it's the best part of your week and we'll catch all of you right back here next time.